Hey guys, welcome to the Challenge Podcast. I'm Coach Steve. And I'm Coach Nick. And we're going to be talking about everything fitness, health, and the challenge. Let's get on with the show. What's up, guys? Coach Steve here. Welcome back to another episode of the Challenge Weekly Show. Today, I'm joined with our co-host, Coach Nick. Nick, how are we doing today? I'm very well, thanks, Coach Steve. How are you? I'm I'm well. I'm well. Uh, we had a wild weekend at my house, Nick. Yeah, were there safari animals involved? There were a whole bunch of animals at my house uh, in statue form. Um, but it was my boy's birthday party, uh, a first birthday party at my house. And you know what it's like when you have the family over and, you know, you've got a, a couple of dozen people from different different parties. You know, you've got your friends, you've got your family, you've got your partner's family. All the people are there and they're all mingling and everything like that. It's just chaotic, right? You know, you've got to, yeah, you've right? got to be the good host and everyone's got to make sure they have, a, they have a drink and a cup and a, you have a plate of food, eat the food, eat the food, eat the food. And Nick, I have to admit, I had a slice of cake. Did you? I did you? I had a slice of cake and I'm still alive. You're still I, alive? You're I, still I, su- I survived the baby? weekend and I'm yep. breathing and I'm still training and everything is going to be okay. Uh, my partner. Be okay. Yes, she made it. Laura made, made it. it. Laura made it. She spent a few days making it. Uh, it was a three-story cake and it was green and had a few animals on the top of it. And we had a little birthday candle. It was beautiful. And I had a slice of cake. And I just want to tell everybody that because, you know, you can have a slice of cake at your kid's birthday party and still be in the fitness game. It's not the end of the world. What did I do for the rest of the day? Well, I was pretty busy trying to be host Steve. Um, so I didn't really eat much uh, throughout the, the day, making sure everyone else got some food. Um, you know, of course I had dinner and, you know, I didn't go and slog my, myself out and do, you know, two hours of cardio to try to burn off the, the cake or anything like that. Um, you know, I just, just rinsed and repeated. And the next day I went and trained like normal and I ate like normal and things are okay. And I, I survived. So if you're listening to this and you've had a cookie or maybe you uh, had a glass of wine or you you had a, had a chocolate bar or a slice of cake on the weekend, it's not over. It's okay. You can move on. You enjoyed it. And I think the best question to ask yourself is, yeah, did you enjoy it? Because the problem is when you consume foods and you have no recollection of it and it happens. So you might be in that um, altered state of mind. You know, maybe you are a little bit emotional. Maybe you're distracted. You're watching a movie. Uh, maybe you're hungry. You're like Coach Nick. You know, about to compete, and you know, <laughs> might not be thinking completely straight. And before you know it, you're halfway through a tub of ice cream, and you're like, "Whoa, how did this happen?" Um, or you've just been standing in the kitchen for half an hour, just snacking on foods in the cupboard, and you're like, "Wait, what? What am I doing?" Right those states when you're consuming food and you're not really aware of it that's problematic but if you sat down and you enjoyed a slice of cake and you you know that you hey i chose to eat this i'm enjoying it right now and i'm okay that's fine no dramas no issues um on the bandwagon and, and away we go so it was a crazy weekend for me but it's monday now and it's just another week and it is week 11 nick week 11 of the very first m challenge and gosh it flies by quick hey it does. I can't believe it. Week 11, everybody. How's everybody going, I wonder, out there? Mm. Week 11. Yes, always exciting times because just next week is, is the final week. And it's it's Great. now that we should be starting to think about how we're going to conclude this challenge. Mm. Mm. And if you want to be part of the M Challenge competition, which is primarily what we are, you know, we're a body transformation competition. It's a primarily a competition. We have prizes, lots of prizes. Um, if you want to be eligible for the final competition, uh, you will need to upload a final photo and you'll be able to do that um, as of next Friday. So just in, in just over a week, week and a half to go. Um, a great time to start thinking about your final photo. So you do need the completion document, which will be available in the M Challenge app from Friday, next Friday. Um, and what, what date is that off the top of my head? I, I missed the date. It's um, next Friday is, it might be the 30th, I think, but I'll just double check. Yes. I didn't let write just, it down. Let me, let so, me see. Let me see. On the fly, on the fly. Um, yeah, it's it's the 30th of, of September. I was going to say October, so that's just as bad. Nick, what would I do without you? So next, next uh, September, the 30th, <laughs> September the 30th, you'll be able to download your completion document and mm. take a photo and then upload your final photo to the M Challenge app. So great time to think about it. Now, what should you be thinking about with your final photo? So firstly, it's worth thinking about where you're going to take your photo. 
right? You want to think about the background. You, you, we don't want to want you to be uploading a photo to our community of maybe a, a, a dirty bathroom or a messy house, um, or maybe some sensitive information in the background. Like maybe you've got, I don't know, your bank password mm. on a whiteboard behind you. Just think about some of those things. Many people choose to have just a plain white background, or maybe they go outside, try to make use of some natural sunlight outside and they've got a brick wall behind them or, you know, something neutral behind them because we don't want the background to be the main feature of the photo. We want you to be the main feature of the photo. So firstly, thinking about where you're taking your photo. Next, thinking about what you're going to wear in your final photo. Uh, often in previous challenges, we have challengers who upload photos. Uh, let's say they're wearing shorts and covering the quadriceps and the thighs. And that's a big part of the body where we can make some massive uh, comparisons between the start photo and the end photo is looking at things like the quadriceps. So if you're wearing shorts and you're covering up a big part of your body, well, you can't be judged in the same way as someone who is showing their body to be judged, right? And that's similar with the maybe how zoomed you are at the photo. If you are taking a photo and it's just um, maybe uh, your 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 knees and above and you're not showing like the whole, whole body, all right, you might be cutting out parts of the body that our judges would use to compare. So thinking about what you're going to wear in that final photo, um, you know, are you going to be uh, you know, wearing a, a t-shirt that's going to be, of course, covering a lot to your body. Are you going to be wearing maybe a, a, a crop top for girls or a bikini or whatever it is? Like, what are you going to be wearing to try to show off um, most of your physique so our judges can compare? Okay. Um, and then finally, thinking about the, the time that you're going to take that photo. So the, the best way to take your final photo is to actually take um, a few photos across a few different days. So you will be able to upload your final photo from Friday the 30th and you have up until um, the Tuesday, which is October the 2nd, 3rd, 4th. Yeah, so just into the early October. So you have a few days, you know, four or five days to upload your final photo to the M Challenge app. So you could take a photo on Friday, on Saturday, on Sunday, on Monday and Tuesday. So you could take a photo on each one of those days. And then on that Tuesday, the final day that you can upload it, you choose which one is your, your favorite because every day you wake up, um, you know, you might be looking slightly different. Maybe you've drunk a little bit more water that day. Maybe you've been a little bit stressed out about your photos. So you're looking a little bit soft. If you are, if you are really lean, you know, that, that kind of change, changes it slightly. Um, maybe the certain lighting or the time that you took it and the, maybe the focus that it's in or, or whatever it is with the image can kind of change that final photo. So my advice, take a few photos across those couple of days, especially if you want to be really competitive in the M challenge. Okay. Yeah, 100%. Um, at the moment, I'm loving um, outside light as well. So, I mean, if you've got a place somewhere where you can stand in outside lighting, um, obviously without the whole street caring, I doubt they do, but um, <laughs> that's a really good one to try as well because you'll be surprised at the definition that you can see in, in natural outside light. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm. no, I agree. Um, mm. And, you know, we can't predict the weather, right? So uh, I know, you, freezing. <laughs> if um, Friday, Saturday is pretty average, maybe Sunday is your day where the sun comes out. You can take a little snap, maybe in your backyard, um, unless you, yeah. you enjoy uh, rocking the bikini outside. Well, we've got some neighbours that have just moved in behind us in the new um, development. And Shane has now said, there are no more bikini photos in the kitchen. <laughs> I just take them before he gets up. So... <laughs> I'm going to let that stop me. <laughs> no, I love it. I love yeah. it. Now, Nick, we have our next challenge starting soon as well. So there's not a lot of time between the end of this challenge and the start of the next challenge. So a great time for you to think about what you're going to do after the challenge. Many challenges choose to have a short break um, once the challenge concludes, maybe uh, a week or two, um, uh, stepping away from following a, a diet plan, maybe eating a little bit um, more ad hoc, meaning, you know, oh, if I'm hungry, I'm going to eat, you know, off, off my meal plan type thing. And training wise, maybe a little bit more um, in, instinctual with training, like oh, I'm going to go in and not really follow a plan and, you know, go get a pump or maybe trying other things like, oh, I'm just going to improve my cardiovascular fitness, go for a few more walks or maybe start jogging or go for a hike, those types of things. Great time, you know, in those like two to three weeks in between challenges. And the next challenge will be a six-week challenge um, labeled the M6. What a beautiful Ooh. marketing there, M6. And that's going to be kicking off on the 24th of October, of course, with our prep week, the week prior. So you will have access to your plans um, from October the 17th. So you have access to your plans a whole week for prep week. And then we launch into the M6 six-week challenge 
first six week challenge for the M challenge, um, which we'll, we will be wrapping up just before Christmas time. So great time to get uh, in shape for summer, which is awesome. I'm getting ready for, for Christmas time. So you can shred down for the, the little Santa suits, which will be great. Oh, so exciting. I can't <laughs> wait for the next one as well. Although I'm enjoying the moment. I'm enjoying the moment, but I, I do love a six week because people tend to really commit to it because it's not as long. So I'm excited. That's right. That's right. It's, uh, it's, it's short. It can be intense. Um, and it's just a, a smaller commitment. You know, if you think six weeks flies by really quick, we're in week 11. So mm -hmm. we've been 11 weeks of this challenge. We would have done the challenge completely and probably fit in almost two six week challenges in this time. So if you have struggled a little bit to stay consistent over 12 weeks, six weeks might be the, the option for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Get Absolutely. Love it. Steve Joe. <laughs> Nick, let's move on to our community highlights where we highlight some members of our community. So Nick, take us away. Who would you like to highlight this week? Okay, I've got Jennifer Williams. Now Jennifer says, Hi everyone, just thought I'd post. Had a crappy day last week and flat out this week. I've been great with food and nutrition this week. Have I? No. But I've had a light bulb moment. What I've learned so far. I am nowhere near disciplined enough to meet my expectations, accountability. For the next challenge, planning more than I do now and prep more than I do now, ownership. It's okay to meet my, not to meet my goals on my first attempt. Love coach Nick saying fail, first attempt in learning. If I did, I'd probably fall off the wagon the next day. Acceptance. So she said, accountability, ownership, and acceptance. They're very strong words. Um, more importantly, it's not perfection. It's consistency. I need to reach, reach my goals. Goodness me. A long way to go. And given I'm not perfect, I'm really looking forward to my next attempt in late October. How things change in nine weeks, onwards and upwards. So how amazing is that? What learning has taken place? Wow. I love it. I love the strong words. And Jennifer is obviously listening to the challenge podcast where she's heard Coach Nick explaining fail, which is the first attempt in learning. And I, I think that's fair because many of us join the challenge because we see these amazing results either from our friends or family in marketing. We're like, wow, look at this before and after what someone was able to do in 12 weeks or, or six weeks, or even just someone outside of the challenge, if they've got this before and after, like going, wow, look at this. And we see that window of time being like, that was done in six weeks, that was done in 12 weeks, that's incredible. But we often forget that 12 weeks took, you know, maybe three years to be able to do that in 12 weeks, or that 12 weeks took, you know, 10 years of learning to do in 12 weeks, or however long it took. So you may not be successful in the first challenge or your first attempt at fitness, but every time you do it, you learn a little bit more, you get a little bit better. And then you may be one of those people that get that 12 weeks. Wow, look, look at the, what they did in 12 weeks because of all the experience before that. Correct. Absolutely. So that was a really good one. Thanks, Jennifer. And hopefully you get to hear your name mentioned and that'll give you a little bit of a pep, you know, in your step as well. So next we've got Lara Mohan. So she has... Um, a technique Tuesday. So had a week of basically no training as had laryngitis and horrible sinus. This is my first session back. So she had 80 kilos and I believe that it was a deadlift off the top of my head. So we love that. I love highlighting um, strong women and people that are also taking advantage of the technique Tuesday. So well done, Lara. Yeah, no, very cool. Very cool. And I think with technique Tuesday, I, I do want to take away the stigma of, you know, you, posting a video only for advice, right? Think of it as like a, as a, as a win day too. Like if you want to highlight your technique being like, Hey, look how awesome my deadlift is. I did 80 kilos on my deadlift. Um, basically after no training and I was a little bit unwell, look how great I am. Hashtag technique Tuesday, go for it. Uh, no expectations that, uh, you know, you need to post because you want advice, show us your wins, show us how awesome your lifting is. Uh, we want to see some training videos. Absolutely. And um, you'll find that, you know, we, we're very encouraging with our ad advice anyway. So it's, it's all just a big celebration, really. Mostly we'll just say you look great apart yeah. from a few things, but you know, <laughs> we're not, we, we don't know everything. We just, we just um, like to see what you're doing. That's right. Maybe we we'll change it to, to like training Tuesday, like show us your training videos. That's actually a really good idea. Look at that. An idea has been formed. From Lara. How good. 
That's fantastic. I love it. So let's let's action that idea immediately tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tuesday, well, today when people are listening to it. Yeah, it's going to be Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday. We'll perfection. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay, so Nerida Kenny. Canis, Kenny, Nerida. Um, it has been so long since I had posted, and unfortunately, I've had to end my challenge journey early due to mental health issues. The limited time I did participate, I found a wonderful supportive community within the Facebook page, and I'm very proud of what I had achieved. I would like to attempt the challenge again in the future, but for now, I'm to purely focus on my health and family. Thanks to all of those who continue to show support and provided much encouragement. Good luck for the remaining few weeks. You will all do amazingly. So thank you, Nerida. And um, I think it's really important to highlight uh, just how wonderful our community is because as soon as Nerida did post that, she had so much encouragement just saying, we're here for you. Um, you know, whenever you feel like doing the challenge again, we'll be here. So that is what we're about over and above even our fantastic app we're over and above that it's our community and um, the support that you get because you can have any type of a program but if you don't have the support you probably won't be able to do it so that's what you've got to lean on yeah no absolutely and i think you know training programs or nutrition plans like realistically you can get them for free online Right, Like you can Google training plan and you'll find archives of, you know, uh, hundreds, thousands of training plans, right? Or nutrition plans and meal plans YouTube. and all these things. Mm. YouTube, like there's so much free content online. Um, mm. And sure, some of them may not be the most evidence-based or helpful or quote good. Um, and, you know, joining the challenge, we provide you with what we believe is the most informed and evidence-based training program and nutrition plan and a structure and a system so that you can get into the best shape of your life. But that's one part of it. The primary part of following that plan is the consistency, is the learning that come across, the support from our community. And then of course, from us, Nick, like, you know, learning from us and asking questions on the forum, that is a massive part of what the challenge is. Um, you know, our plans, our plans, it's a system, it's a structure, it's a framework, um, but without the support and encouragement, uh, you know, you might, you may struggle a little bit to, to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. So just, just remember that, remember to lean in on the community and that's what we all do and we love it. No, so good. Nick, I want to highlight a few people here. The first one goes out to Caroline Gillies and Caroline writes, Hi, Coach Steve. I wanted to share with you this amazing achievement my husband is currently undertaking. And her husband is Max Gillies. And she writes, he's done a number of challenges and will join us again in October. However, he's having this challenge off while he has prepared to cycle from Melbourne to Toowoomba. Definitely didn't want to carry too much muscle. Um, I'm not too sure where Toowoomba, Toowoomba is, but I'm pretty sure it's a big distance like i'm talking hundreds yeah. and hundreds of kilometers uh, so that's a big ride big ride yeah, far north queensland i think something like that so a long way long, long way. way so basically along the whole east coast of australia big ride um she keeps going on and saying you gave him some great advice last challenge when he prepared for the ride this is all in effort to raise funds for uh, a cure to brain cancer which his best friend is currently battling mm. And That's she shared nice. a post um, of, of Max on a ride and a few photos like that. And I thought it was beautiful. Um, and, you know, we're excited for Max to complete this journey and then hopefully join us in October. Um, and, you know, I hope that our advice was helpful, especially when preparing for like an endurance or, or an event like this is very different to um, weight loss goals. You know, within the challenge, we're very specific about our advice around nutrition, about uh, mainly focusing on body composition. How do we build muscle? How do we burn body fat? That's one element of nutrition. Nutrition is a very big world. You know, talking about nutrition for performance is very different to nutrition for body composition. Nutrition for health, very different to nutrition for body composition or nutrition for performance. In this area of like endurance events, we're in the performance bubble, but in a very niche area of performance bubble. Like what can I do to cycle for hundreds of kilometers from Melbourne to, uh, you know, North Queensland? Very different, very niche conversation, often requiring lots of one-on-one -on -one trial and error, what works for you. And Nick, you've probably got lots of experience with that, doing endurance events like Ironmans and marathons and long distance work, right? 
Yeah, definitely. So um, it's absolutely, it's an individual thing and it's going to be very, very different to bodybuilding. Very, very different. Yeah. yeah. The next one here, uh, I want to highlight Karen Via. Karen Via. And I like this one because uh, Karen's been catching up with another challenger, one of our previous top 10 finalists, Jody Miles Matarget. And Karen writes, caught up with Jody and smashed out legs. And she posts a bunch of photos of them flexing together and training together. She even writes that they compared their calluses and showed a, a photo of their calluses. And uh, a few months ago, we were speaking about um, comparing calluses um, on this podcast. And we had a few people showing photos of their, of their calluses. Um, and I think last time, probably same as this time, I don't have many calluses. I don't know about you, Nick, if you have many calluses right now. No, or, not or right torn, now. Let's be specific, or torn calluses. Like my calluses are gro like grown, yeah. you know, there's grown like, over. yeah, they're raised positions, they're thickened yeah. skin around my, you know, palms of my hands, but they're not torn. Like the skin right. isn't torn on there. And I think that is a interesting reflection to make is if you look at your hands, you'll see calluses because you know we're training with our hands we're gripping with them the, the thickened skin around our hands um but if you are experiencing torn calluses like lots of dead skin or you know ripping in your um palms or your fingers or wherever the calluses are that can represent that the like the barbell or the apparatus that you're using is moving in your hand which we don't really want so if you're doing let's say a deadlift we want that bar to be in the hand and fixed in the hand and not sliding on your skin or pulling on the skin or ripping the skin. That doesn't mean that you won't develop a callus, you'll still develop a callus. But if you find that the barbell is moving a lot, um, that might be one, a power leak or a strength leak, or two, a technique kind of issue where it results in more strain on their hands, muscles on the hands, muscles on the forearms. If you've got uh, sore forearms or really struggling with your grip, it might be because the bar is moving. And my final tip about calluses is wearing gloves will probably uh, accentuate calluses and tearing of the skin. So if you feel like you need to wear gloves when you train, um, that is probably causing more rubbing and friction because you know, you've got this extra layer and it's sliding across your hands more. Um, so I would recommend you take steps to ditch the gloves uh, and experience the, the metal in your hand. <laughs> Anyway, back to Karen. Now comparing their calluses, um, she also writes, such a good vibe at the gym, feeling great. I look so short next to Jodes. Um, but the main reason I wanted to highlight Karen and Jody here is um, I'm going to assume something about them. I'm gonna assume that they met through the challenge. I think that's what the beautiful part about the challenge is, is that they were able, again, it's an assumption to meet throughout the challenge. They may be training at the same gym, saw each other posting online. Hey, let's catch up, let's train together. And they're posting photos of themselves training together, comparing calluses and making a new friendship. Um, so if you haven't already, join us on our Facebook social hub, post about it, maybe mention roughly where you are. Of course, for privacy, don't tell you exactly what your address is, um, but you know, you might find a new friend in your area who wants to train with you. And that might be a new lifelong buddy that you make. And we've had lots of lifelong buddies and friendship groups form out of the challenge, which is a beautiful space. So join our community, post about it, make some friends. Um, and who knows, you might be getting a, a sweet old pump next to a buddy and uh, you are, comparing biceps at the end of it. It will be awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I love seeing women train together as well and have fun. Um, very good. Nick, final one here. Uh, I want to highlight Leroy Warren, Leroy and Leroy writes, pretty happy with this morning's check-in, lowest weight of the challenge and lowest weight in about eight years. Five mm. kilos off my target, but this is a target with no specific end date. I will push on past the end of this challenge to hit this target and then maintain on beginning a build shortly after. I like this. It was a bit of a win, a bit of a scale win. Let's, let's, let's face it. Um, he's at the lowest point he's been in in the past eight years and he's about five kilos off of his target. Um, I would recommend you, you, you form a, a specific end date, you know, that makes the goal a little bit smarter, you know, got a target, oh, I want to reach it by this time. But I love it where it's a little bit open being like, hey, I want to get down there. I want to maintain that for a bit and then start a building phase. So congratulations, Leroy. Uh, that's an awesome win. Mm, fantastic. Good on you. No, so good. Nick, let's move on to our next segment here. We have our coach's corner where we offer our tip for the week. So Nick, take us away. What advice do you have for us? Well, I'm a bit obsessed with, uh, with dopamine at the moment, um, I, I'm obsessed with finding out a little bit more about it. So 
um, somebody who's like obviously a million times smarter than me, I don't know if you know of Dr. Andrew Huberman, but I love listening to his podcasts and um, his take on things. Now, um, he studies a lot about like molecules like dopamine and where where they fit into our lives. So um, I think it's really, really interesting simply because I've, I've spoken about it before regarding social media and stuff about like if you find yourself being addicted to posting, um, it's because of that little bit of a, a dopamine hit that you get when people press like. And that is actually okay. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way, because if that's the way that you motivate yourself to get through, then um, that's fantastic. So um, it's, it's sort of a, a reward feeling. And um, it's really important to keep us um, motivated and um, happy to be doing what we're doing. But the interesting thing that um, Dr. Andrew Huberman has actually discovered is that um, we get our dopamine release not from actually achieving the goal, although that would give you something, but in the pursuit of the goal. So um, it, sometimes if you think about the end goal without thinking about little tiny um, things along the way, you might lose motivation. So that's sometimes where we see people starting off big, but then they don't think of anything that is along the way that might be good for them or make them feel good until they get to the end. So they're like, when I get to the end and I lose this much weight, I will reward myself with a certain thing. And we might even say to them, that's a great idea. That's a great goal. That's um, a fantastic way to think about it. But the way that our brains work is that we need little tiny benchmarks along the way to um, con continue to want our goal um, in a way. So like, for example, um, just say that some animal is out hunting in the wild and um, knows that there's going to be food out there, but uh, can't find the food. It's either going to lose its motivation or it catches a whiff of something and suddenly bang, that drive is there again. So how do we find our drive to continue on? Now, obviously, this is probably would have come better in week one, but we can use it for the six week one or we can just use it for life in general. The idea that Dr. Andrew Huberman was saying was that elite athletes or people that are very well driven toward their goals think of little tiny rewards along the way. So I don't know, Coach Steve, if you're somebody who, um, you know, you're an athlete, you like to train a lot. Do you give yourself little rewards along the way? Um, I sort of, I sort of do. I will tell myself, um, you know, if you go to the gym today and you manage to do everything that you have done, then you might be able to have a monster drink you know it doesn't have to be crazy but if you just structure your day to give yourself some little rewards a monster drink probably isn't the best example but for me it might be um you know you can you can buy yourself some nice skincare or you can have um you know a, a sauna or something like that and those little rewards along the way give you enough dopamine to actually keep going so think about your brain as something that actually needs to sometimes be flicked on again and it's not it's actually not uh unusual and it's not you're not abnormal if you lose your drive and motivation unless you have these little bits of dopamine that are released en route to your goal you can actually completely lose it and completely lose sight of your goal unless you know how to manipulate the system so i would suggest set yourself up with some little rewards along the way so then I suppose it's the same thing as enjoy the process, which can, I reckon that that's a piece of crap because you're not always going to enjoy the process and you're not necessarily, as you would say, not necessarily always going to trust the process, but you have to find little elements of the journey that are going to inspire you to continue on. So I want everybody to just have a think about what it might be. It might be that you buy yourself and you might go broke, but buy yourself some new leggings. That's what I used to do. Um, just, you know, maybe once a month, I would be like, oh, I'm going to treat myself to some new leggings. Um, you know, all sorts of things like that. It doesn't have to be, it could be, I, I used to buy a new book a week, you know, as you can see behind me, I've got a lot of books. So 
those sorts of things, little rewards. And often the, the one thing I will say is that if you haven't been conditioned to understand it, and that's everybody pretty much, you might see food as a reward. And that's where sometimes we go a little bit wrong because we're like, I'm going to treat myself to this. So sometimes that's a little bit counterproductive unless you structure it in a way where you're still in control of that as well. So it's just really interesting to me. And I even read somewhere that if you talk about your, your end goal too much, your body actually thinks that you've achieved it and you might not actually go through with it. So that's fascinating to me as well. So um, very interesting. I just wanted to share it with everybody. Yeah, it's very dope. Oh. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I get it. And I think for me, I don't necessarily give myself like tangible rewards or, or like reward myself. I think the reward to me is that progression. Um, and it's no surprise. I'm a bit of a, a numbers guy. I like looking at data and I like, you know, measuring things. And let's say when it comes to my training, um, each week I have small goals across my bigger goal to see progress across, um, my, my training from the week prior. So I would set up my training program in a particular way where it is almost a sense of forced progression across particular weeks as I increase intensity up until the final week of my program, you know, a four week cycle, and then I'll reset. So for example, in week one, um, I might know that I could do, let's say 10 reps of a squat at 100 kilos for argument's sake. And I know that that's my maximum. Um, in week one, I might choose to do, uh, you know, seven repetitions. In week two, I might choose to do eight repetitions. In week three, I might choose to do nine repetitions. And then in week uh, four, I would choose to do 10 repetitions, take myself to absolute failure. So in numbers world, I'm training at like four reps in reserves or an RP6 three reps in reserve or an RPE seven, um, and then, you know, two reps in, and going on from there, right? So uh, each week when I'm looking at my numbers, I'm doing um, a, a, at least one more repetition across one of my sets. So I might do three to four sets, depending on the exercise. Um, I want to see at least some progression in one of those sets. It might not be every set, and sometimes it's match reps, and that's, that's, that's fine. But me looking at the numbers being like, okay, each week I'm progressing a little bit more, I'm getting this sense of progression, even if it's just one repetition, um, that is a little bit of that dopamine kick. You know, it's like a little notification you get in your phone, bing, that's the little dopamine hit that I get, and that keeps me motivated, being like, hey, I'm seeing progression. And then I rinse and re repeats. Once I do my meso cycle, my four weeks, my training program, I'll start again in my next, my next phase, doing very similar exercises, um, aiming to get within a, a certain space close to failure and then progressing over time. Um, and that, that sense of progression is what keeps me on track with my training program. And I would say the same conversation with any weight loss goals, which is um, why we recommend people to weigh themselves frequently. Because um, if you're slowly seeing that weight loss across day, daily weight loss or weekly averages, which is what we recommend, weekly averages, so you're comparing week to week and you're like, oh, I'm on track, I lost 0.6% this week. I lost 1% this week. I lost 0.4% this week. You know, that's, that's little kicks, little boost of motivation. Be like, oh yes, it's working. I'm, I'm on, I'm on track. Great. I'm committing to the process. But if you abstain from the scales completely being like, nah, I'm not going to look at it for six months. You're, you're not getting any sort of like dopamine hit. You may try to put on that t-shirt being like, oh, you know, trying to feel it and be like, oh, maybe it, maybe it feels a little bit loose. Like maybe the jeans feel a little bit looser. I'm not sure. You look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, turning yourself on the side and be like, maybe I'm losing weight. I'm not sure, but if you can measure it and going, Hey, the, the numbers are here, like sure. They fluctuate depending on how hydrated we are and how much food is in our gut. We get that. But if you're looking at the weekly average, you're going, Hey, week to week, I'm losing weight. This is awesome. I'm feeling great. I'm on track. I'm motivated. Yeah. Dieting sucks, but I, I, I I'm seeing this weight loss. That is the dopamine hit, the motivation to keep you on track. And that's what, that's what I think is important. So maybe less of, in my opinion, the physical reward, more of like, that progression reward for me. Yeah, I love that. Um, 
I just, I have a physical reward. I just remembered. So I'll just say it. Um, so every morning, mum and I walk at about 5am to get the steps done that I need to get at the moment. And um, we go past the honey thief and we get a coffee and that the honey thief is a, is a bakery near where I live. And um, that is just such a thrill for me, uh, especially in the cold mornings. So um, even just a little reward, like a long black um, halfway through our walk is enough to keep us both motivated. It's like our little wild animal. <laughs> so it can be as simple, like it could be as complex as, you know, making sure that you're on top of all your data, or it could be as simple as just getting a coffee halfway through a grueling walk. A walk yeah. is grueling now, Coach Steve. <laughs> oh, crazy times. Mm -hmm. Nick, I'd like to speak a little bit about minimalist training Ooh. Mm -hmm. and the concept of what could be the bare minimum okay yep. i love and, that and i think as i've kind of matured into training in a way i've become uh i'm gonna use the word lazy okay i'm looking at ways to simplify my program making it as easy as possible and i often see guys and girls in the gym the bros and the broettes and they are obviously training a certain body part. They're training their arms, or more specifically, they're training their biceps. So they've chosen to train one muscle group on one particular day. And you'd watch them move around the gym across you know, a half an hour, 45 minute, an hour period. And they're in every corner of the gym. They go to that machine, they go to that machine, they go to that machine, they do every single exercise you can possibly dream of and that one day at that one time. And it's exhausting to watch. You know, you'd watch bros and broettes and they're doing laps around the gym and yeah, doing every exercise possible. And you think, do you need to do every single version of a bicep curl you can possibly think of that you found on um, Google or YouTube or TikTok on this particular day at this particular time, you're exhausting. <laughs> you're exhausting me and you're probably exhausting yourself. And we see it within the challenge where individuals would post uh, training programs are there, they're following on the Facebook social hub and they're choosing to do, let's say, a dozen different exercises or more um, and they have massive variety in their training programs um, and it must take them a really long time to do those exercises and a really long time to learn how to execute each one of those exercises. Okay, so when we're looking at a training plan and you're following a new training plan, if you have you know, let's say a dozen different leg exercises to complete, you have to learn how to do those dozen different exercises. So the question mm -hmm. of course comes up is what happens if it was just one exercise for your legs, let's say a squat, and that's it, right? You, you just did one exercise for your quadriceps, one exercise for your hamstrings, and one exercise for your calves, you know, the three main muscle groups in your legs. And then we'll talk about glutes, different side of things. Um, but let's say those three exercises, you choose to do three exercises and you get really damn good at three exercises for those things. Maybe you choose to do a squat pattern, uh, a barbell back squat. You choose to do a hinge pattern for your hamstrings, glutes, maybe an RDL, a stiff leg, a deadlift, something like that. And then maybe a, a calf raise just to hit the calves. One, two, three, you do your three exercises and to get your volume in, you do a few more sets of each of those exercises. So instead of doing two sets of squats and two sets of lunges and two sets of Bulgarian split squats and two sets of leg press, two sets of hack squat, um, two sets of um, Smith machine uh, squats and then two sets of the, the sissy squats and then two sets of legs. You know, you're doing lots and lots of exercises. You choose maybe to do four or five sets of squats. You get really damn good at squats and you find that by like set number three, you are so proficient at the execution of those squats you know, you do like three or four repetitions and you feel your quads like pumping. You feel them like, you know, ripping. You feel them like, you know, engorged with blood. You, it's like you've got such crazy doms in your legs already from three sets. And, you know, you're only like three or four repetitions in that third set. That's the ultimate goal of this kind of concept of minimalist training where you get real damn good at just a few exercises. And that can be a sign of a mature lifter and some great execution in training. So if you're thinking about minimalist training, which you might actually see kind of built into the M challenge training plans, where you look at the plan and it goes, whoa, there's only four exercises here. There's only five exercises here. The most exercises that we have in a program is six. We have six different exercises in the program, that's the most. And for some people you might be like, what, is that all? 
And I would say that's plenty. <laughs> that's plenty, yeah. um, especially if you get real damn good at those exercises. Uh, if you experience good execution, you experience the pump, you, you train close to failure, that's all you need. So the first thing I would recommend is if you wanna think about minimalist training is to define movement. And you can define it in two ways. Either we can look at muscles. So I'm talking about quadriceps, I'm talking about hamstrings, I'm talking about calves, biceps, triceps, chest, back, you know, looking at muscles, or we look at movement patterns where we go, okay, I'm going to push in a horizontal direction. And that would be like, you know, chest press, bench press motions, you know, punching motions, push-ups. I'm pushing in front of me and that pushing motion, we look at it as a movement or we look at within those muscles. All right, we're training our, um, you know, our pecs, we're training our anterior delts, the front delt, we're training our triceps. It's all involved in that pushing motion. Then in contrast, we've got horizontal pulling motions. That will be our row patterns, you know, barbell, bent over rows, machine rows, single arm rows, any, any sort of pulling towards you. And there we're training our back, back multiple muscles, you know, probably a good 20 different muscles when we train pulling motions, you know, our lats, our rear delts, our rhomboids, rhomboids our traps, um, the erector spine, all these big pulling muscles, right? Um, then we've got vertical motions. We've got vertical pushes, so pushing overhead. So that can be like overhead press, maybe an upright row, depending on who you're talking to, because you're kind of like pushing upwards type thing. But we've got that vertical push and then a vertical pull. So, you know, a lat pull down, a, a chin up, those types of things. So, so far, we've got four different movements just with the arms. And then we've got two movements in the lower body where we've got a lower body push mo motion, which is like a squat pattern where you are bending at the ankles, knees, and the hips to squat. And that could be like a lunge pattern, a squat pattern, those types of things. Um, and then we have a hinge pattern, a hinge pattern where our we are, we are primarily moving through the hip joints um, and we're changing our, our center of gravity. We're, we're moving in this hinge pattern. And that's most of our deadlift patterns um, where we're training things like our glutes and our hamstrings. So we've got six movements. Again, horizontal push-pull, vertical push-pull, and then we've got our squat pattern, hinge pattern right? You could build a training program with those six movements and you could substitute different exercises in. So instead of doing like a, a dumbbell chest press, you might choose to do push-ups. Instead of doing a RDL, you might do a GHD, like back extension, or instead of doing a squat, you might choose to do a lunge or something like that. You could choose those six exercises. You could train at almost any frequency, you know, two days a week, three days a week, four days a week. And to build your program, you could start by going extremely minimalist and doing three exercises. Choose three exercises, one from each of the each of those categories. So the six categories. So you might need to divide it into two. So maybe you've got like a pull day and a push day, right? So a push day would be a horizontal push, a vertical push and a squat. And then a pull day might be a hinge pattern, a vertical pull and a horizontal pull. Do those three exercises, aim to do three to four sets each exercise. And we're training at whatever frequency you can uh, can complete, you know, two, three, four, five, six days a week, minimalist. And you might find that you get real damn good at training. You don't need to do all the varieties all at once because long-term training, you know, we're going to target all those different exercises, right? If you love to train your pecs in a, a amplitude of different ways, you can do that over a six month period, you know, do a bench press, get really good at bench press, get the most stimulus out of the bench press, and then you do a different type of pressing, maybe an incline press, dumbbell chest press, push up, uh, chest fly, whatever it is. We manipulate that stimulus over time rather than trying to do everything all at once. Let's face it out. We're gonna be training for a long time. We can go through different exercises because exercises are kind of like fashion, you know, trends, different clothes we wear, like different exercises come in trend over time. You might love a bench press today, but in three months time, you might be like, I hate the damn thing. I love doing a machine chest press. It's my favorite thing in the world. All right, I'm going to do that right now. So you can cycle mm. through those exercises. Mm. Just a bit of philosophy, Nick. Minimalist training. Are you doing too much? Should you strip it back to the bare basics? What are the bare basics? And you may find better results by doing less. So good. And you know how we were talking before about it, you can find any training program online. I think that comes with a caveat now Um, after hearing that. It's it's not always the one that's got everything. No. And also even just my top tip is like, if you've got a trainer or a coach or someone or a program, you, you want to make sure they're not just chucking things at you left, right and center. So do ask them, what's the purpose of this? Why are we doing so much of this? 
how much total volume am I doing per body part per week? That sort of stuff. You're allowed to ask. And it's really good to know why at least. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. totally agree. Mm. Nick, last segment, segment here, we have our question and answer. So first question here comes yep. from Trisha on the forum. And Trisha writes, does how you perform the steps have any impact on your fat loss? For example, is it better to do all to do the steps all together or spread out throughout the whole day? I ask because I still haven't seen much fat loss and trying to find out why. My steps are usually completed over my work shift and have for years. So Nick, um, that first part of the, the question, does it matter um, how you perform your steps? What advice would you give Trisha? Well, Trisha, you, you just made me think so much when I was um, answering this uh, a few days ago on the forum, um, simply because of my own experience, which is um, just, I mean, I'll answer it in a sec, but I will say that if you do a whole bunch of exercise, but then you just sit down and do nothing for the rest of the day, um, you can actually sort of end up being quite sedentary. You don't realize it, but if you, it's something really to um, have a think about just uh, say like even, even triathletes, you know, you go out and expend a lot of energy, but then you just lie down for the rest of the day. And it's sort of, ends up being that that you probably end up eating more than um, you expend in a strange way. Now, um, it actually doesn't matter. So that's my, my bottom line. It doesn't matter when you do them, as long as you are expending more energy than you are consuming. Um, it really doesn't matter. But I, I personally, with my own experience, feel like the more I move during the day, regardless of if it's purpose, like steps on purpose or just... Um, you know, doing the washing, doing things like that, the more successful I am in terms of, say, when I've got a fat loss goal, just simply because I'm constantly moving. So I love to think of it more as constant movement rather than um, steps that you have to do. I've, I've got to say it's a real game changer. So firstly, there's that. In the second half of the question, this is the bit that really I, it's my favorite thing in the whole wide world to talk about, I think, which is um, where she says, my steps are usually completed over my work shift and have been for years. If you've been doing something for years and nothing has changed, unfortunately, you may have to do more. And I've been thinking about this. I was talking about it with Shane and things. The thing is, we look at others and we think, you know, as a blanket rule, we sort of go, well, I should be able to do what they do and get the same results. If your body is used to doing, just say it's 20,000 steps in a work shift and it's been the same, um, then you need to actually do more um, or eat less, but we, that's not the question. So this is just about um, energy expenditure you actually probably need to do more than just your baseline. So those steps have become Trisha's baseline and she's probably super like fit in that way. But if she wants to lose fat, she could even perhaps think of adding an, another half an hour walk after, or maybe just, um, you know, doing stuff around the house a little bit more, just consciously thinking of movement. And also obviously there's the auditing of the calories and, and that sort of stuff. And sometimes also people will overconsume certain macronutrients like um like fats and stuff because they're yummy and they, they've got a lot of calories. So there's just little minuscule little audits that you can do there. But it doesn't matter, Trisha, but it does. So <laughs> I haven't really answered it super well, but it doesn't, but it does. Yeah, I, I tend to, to agree. Like this, mm. the first the first part there, does how you perform the steps have any impact on fat loss? The answer is is, is no. Um, you know, how you perform the steps or if they're, you know, um, all concentrated at one particular time or spread out across the day, it doesn't matter for fat loss at all. It's all about the, the net physical activity throughout the whole day. I think for health, um, which isn't, isn't the question, the question is about fat loss, but if, I think for general health, you'd want to be physically active consistently throughout the day, right? You know, we're talking about heart rate variability or variability, um, or just our overall, um, heart rate per, per beats per minute type idea, or even with digestion, you know, we want to be like active throughout the day so that we can be healthy, right? We don't want to be doing like 10,000 steps across, you know, two hours. And then you look at your watch, you're like, yep. 
10,000 steps and sit on the couch and you know you you have Shane pick you up and move you around the house or you get the wheelchair That's, out because you're like oh, I've done 10,000 steps that has been me I have right. done that like especially with with different long rides or runs and stuff and I've just come home and been like like a cactus although cacti are much more resilient than me but just <laughs> like this just absolutely not even moving so then it ends up being that as as you said that net energy it just ends up being the same as if if you kind of done little bits throughout the whole day so yeah 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 it's just interesting with that i've been doing it for years that's interesting because you, your body it's your it's your baseline now mm-hmm. mm. Mm. yeah i agree the next question here comes from jennifer also on the forum jennifer writes hi i'm curious to understand the breakdown of food we have the macros and a calorie allowance, but does it matter where the calories come from, excluding the nutritional benefits? Do we aim to eat the calories ultimately? Obviously, the, the mixed benefits, obviously the mixed benefits, the nutrition values to our bodies and certainly will help us feel better. I'm just curious and learning. Jennifer, let's talk about it. Um, you are correct where you, uh, you would prefer to have foods that are nutritious, right? The within nutrition, like we spoke a little bit earlier in this podcast, there's a few different categories, right? We're talking about body composition. We're talking about performance. We're talking about health within body composition for our energy intake. It really doesn't matter where we get the energy from. And uh, there was a, a, a study, really interesting one. They, um, it was a, it was a case study of one to so one person. They told him it was a guy to uh, only eat food from McDonald's, right? And it needed to be under eighteen hundred calories a day. So he got to go to McDonald's, eat whatever he wants for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And he was advised to walk for forty minutes a day. So eat whatever you want at McDonald's. You could see how many calories in each meal because they've got the calories um, or kilojoules on the the board of McDonald's um, and. He was advised to walk for 40 minutes. And what they found, this one individual chose to eat whatever he wants, um, eating within a calorie uh, restriction, and he started to lose weight. He lost a lot of weight, and um, he improved a lot of health markers as well. So his blood pressure went down, his blood uh, uh, cholesterol level went down, um, and all these good things happened to his body because he lost that body weight. Um, And what that means to us is that we can eat whatever we want within a calorie um, restriction if we are in an energy deficit and see weight loss. The However here, right? there's more to it. right? So if you've just listened to that part, please don't turn off this podcast and go, oh, Steve said I can eat whatever I want because if you ate whatever you want, I'm talking about if you just only ate cookies and cake and soft drink uh, and, you know, just what we deem as, quote, trash foods or not foods that aren't nutritious for us, you probably feel like shit. <laughs> you probably feel like shit. You, you're probably not nourishing your body. You are probably going to be low in energy and you, you're just not going to feel good. And especially if we're in an energy deficit, we are already low in energy and you are not eating foods that are just good for your body. And I'm talking about vitamins, minerals, fiber, good hydration. You are going to, it's going to compound. You're going to feel even worse. And that could lead to ultimate failure in a diet. You're going to be like, this is too high. I'm too low in energy. I'm having mood swings. I'm craving foods. Um, you know, maybe I'm experiencing decreases in my performance in the gym. So I'm losing muscle mass. I'm not excited about what's happening to my body. So if you chose to have foods that are, you know, whole fruits and vegetables, lean sources of protein, you know, shopping on the outside of the supermarkets, going to fruit and veggie markets, buying from a, a butcher, these types of things, those types of foods are going to nourish our body even though both paths if you chose to eat just mcdonald's or chose to eat um at a a market fresh foods and foods that are seasonal all the good stuff both would lead to weight loss however you would feel better (laughs) if you ate good food right you'd nourish your body and you'd feel better um so interesting question jennifer um the first part of it is to say uh yeah it doesn't matter where the calories come from However, but you probably feel better if you ate foods that are nourishing for your body. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to overconsume the 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 processed ones. That's the other thing. They're just so easy to overconsume. Like you can yeah. eat, you know, three giant cookies for perhaps the equivalent of of a chicken breast, some rice, and and you know, two two meals of that. That's right. The thing. It's just so easy. That's right. And you know, a lot of the foods. Let's use McDonald's as an example. 
you could have like an entire meal at McDonald's and still be hungry because mm. all that meal is, is, is compressed into like, you know, a, a fist sized burger and a handful of chips. And that's the equivalent of having a massive salad that's huge. You get halfway through the salad and you're like, I'm full. And that's the equivalent of having like, you know, a mouthful of chips. So, you know, of course the chips are mouth watering. You probably eat all the chips and there's like, you know, a thousand calories worth of um, you know, McDonald's chips. Um, or you can eat an entire mass salad and have a hundred calories worth of salad and be like, I am stuffed of salad. Uh, and you know, then you go, well, you can either eat so much fruit and vegetable and have such little energy, or you have a small mouthful of chips and be hungry afterwards and you consume the same amount of energy. And that just is problematic for dieting. Problematic. Yes. Agreed. Nick, next question here comes from Carly and Carly writes, hi, I'm really looking forward to booking in for the six week challenge coming up. I really like to know what options to choose to lose weight. This challenge I've chosen rapid weight loss and advanced for um, the the advanced for the physique. So talking about the M physique program advanced, um, that's four days a week program. I'm lifting as heavy as I can for each set and to failure. Should I do the same for the next challenge? Nick, what advice would you give to Carly? Hi, Carly. Um, so, yeah, I, I just also, we can chat in a second about the to failure every every time. I don't know how, I don't know how you're doing it. If it's, if it, there's failure and then there's failure, but I, I don't don't know how you're alive doing rapid, rapid weight loss. And, and that too, that's very taxing. But um, now, uh, so I'm assuming that you've had uh, rapid weight loss the whole way through. And um, I'm assuming that you've been reasonably successful with that. So what I would do in between is absolutely the get in, get out strategy. So I would take your calories straight back up to your new estimated maintenance calories and sit there for the in between of the challenge and see what that does to you as well. You can see because you may, uh, your maintenance may be different uh, to what you had assumed. You don't know how you're going to feel. Maybe you'll get some more energy. Therefore you'll expend some more energy and you might feel really good there. And it might be something that you can live on and um, decide to stay there and continue on in the challenge with that. If you're getting reasonable results, or you may decide to go back to your rapid um, it's really the the really really important takeaway from this is get yourself out of there. Don't stay with rapid in between, and um, I think also just just revisit exactly what you're doing within your training. Um, I don't think you necessarily need to lift to failure, but perhaps it it's it's not necessarily like um, you know failure where you 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 can't you know you're squatting and you can't um possibly move again it might just it might be the smaller muscle groups things like that which you know i think that that's still quite taxing um you know you can have three or four reps in reserve left and still get some good results that'd be just something i'd be looking at but i personally would lean towards having a bit of a break seeing how your body responds and then also um, there's part of me that thinks it depends how much she's lost and it's really an individual thing, but it could be that she'd do all right with, um, with moderate as well. So Carly, you might do all right with moderate fat loss for the next one. You don't necessarily have to drop to that extreme and you might want to then bring it home in the last two weeks with a little bit of a change. Cause remember when you start low, there's nowhere to go. There you go. There's our screen. There's our little grab. <laughs> when you start low, there's nowhere to go. We don't want to start necessarily a diet again on the rapid because remember that's that's extreme. That's something that, that's the get in, get out. The caveat for that is if somebody's listening and they're doing the six week for the first time and um, they're fresh and juicy and ripe, then you, you can do that. But if someone's a little bit fatigued, I'd be just looking at those few different things and um, manipulating it just a little bit um, before I throw someone back straight onto rapid. That's my answer. Yeah, I agree. I think Carly's asked one question. I think we both highlighted the same kind of problem around like, you know, I, I'm training to to failure and it's mm -hmm. like really extreme approaches. Like I'm going rapid, which is a massive energy deficit. We're talking like 25% energy deficit from maintenance, yeah. right? Training 
four days a week, which is quite a high volume on the physique program, you know, uh, the, the most volume that you could do on a training program. Um, and she's taking every set to failure. And even if it was true failure, there's that concept of a diminishing performance over time. So maybe set one is 100% of effort. Set two is 90% of effort. Set three, 80%. And over time, you're getting tired. You know, once you get to your second, third, fourth exercise, you're tired from the first bouts of exercise. So your experience with failure on exercise number four or set number 10 on a particular day, you're only really cruising at 50% of your effort. So you might find that if you resensitize both your approach to nutrition and training, and that might mean a short break, go back to maintenance calories where you're not um, losing or gaining weight, you're maintaining your body weight and then, you know, taking a little bit of a, a break from training, you know, maybe not going to failure or close to failure, those types of things resensitize your body, you come back, um, you know, just like having a rest, right? It's like you're having a little bit of a nap and then you're, you're, you're coming back onto it. So you resensitize your training, resensitize your nutrition, and then you might continue to see positive changes, Carly. But it's, I think you, the challenge right now is fatigue management. How do we manage diet fatigue, training fatigue, and it may not be a perceptual thing. You might not know that you're tired, but having a little bit of break, you might be like, oh, wow, I'm training mm. so much harder and I feel so much better. And this is wow. Rather than just, you know, continuing to try to be at a deficit and continue to try to train to failure where you're experiencing de diminishing returns and diminishing performance from the effort that you're putting in. That's right. And there's, there's no book anywhere. I mean, with a natural athlete where you, you're on, you know, a 25% deficit aggressive and you're going to be building muscle. So it's all about preserving as much muscle tissue as you can, as you diet down. That's the other thing. So you got to reword that for yourself and um, not expect to, to necessarily uh, grow new muscle tissue in that environment. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. mm. Last question here comes from Mark on the forum and Mark writes, hi team, question over pre-workouts. I've just run out of pre-workout and curious of your thoughts. Should I get more and deload after 12, uh, week 12 for two weeks or deload now given I've run out? Okay, so let's talk about what Mark is referring to. Um, so a pre-workout primarily has an active ingredient called caffeine. Many of us consume caffeine in, in coffees and beverages um, of, of all varieties. And caffeine works uh, by stimulating our nervous system. Okay, there is a, an element of a diminishing returns again with caffeine. So the first bout of caffeine, when you introduce the second bout of caffeine, you need more uh, caffeine to get a similar response because your body adapts to it through the nervous system. Okay, which is why those who drink coffee would end up, you know, slowly consuming two cups a day, three cups a day, four cups a day, and it, and it progresses. And we're having really strong coffees and such, even with. Um, coffee, 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 and more. Uh, even with pre-workouts, you might start with half a scoop, you have a full scoop, you double scoop, triple scoop, dry scoop, inject injected in my veins, all the crazy stuff. Mm. Um, we're mainly talking about caffeine. The other active ingredients, um, it does it does not have um, that accumulation effect or adaption effect because it doesn't affect on our nervous system. So I'm talking about things like beta alanine or citrulline malate, not the same response, even though you can become a little bit um, sensitized uh, to beta alanine where, or desensitized to beta alanine where you don't feel the, the tingles in your skin. Um, but you often don't need a higher dosage of that to get a better stimulant. Okay. So what is Mark talking about? He's talking about deloading or coming off of pre-workout to resensitize his body so that he does not require as big of a, a dose to get the similar outcome. If someone was going to go through a pre-workout deload, you would probably want to deload all caffeine sources. I'm talking about coffee. And if anybody is an avid coffee drinker or a caffeine consumer, and you've tried to completely deload or abstain from all uh, caffeine, you're going to have a hard time, right? So I'm saying like, you're going to be experiencing headaches, mood swings, um, irritable sleep, you're just going to be irritable in general. And that can take, uh, you know, potentially two weeks or even longer to kind of come out of that, okay? Now, if we're talking about Mark being as competitive as he can over the last couple of weeks of the challenge, you know, he would have written this question, you know, maybe midweek 10, we've got about two weeks, uh, argument's sake, week 10, 11, 12, uh, to the end of the challenge. Going through a deload of K 
caffeine in that time where we are potentially at the most energy restriction, most fatigued, um, then throwing all those symptoms of, you know, caffeine withdrawal, you're facing a few problems. Um, so what I would recommend is uh, swap the use of pre-workout, because maybe you've ordered it, it's in the mail, it's coming to you. Swap the use of pre-workout for a simple cup of coffee, getting some caffeine in prior to your training session. So if you're going to train in the morning, have a cup of coffee before you train. If you're going to train in the mid-afternoon, have a cup of coffee before you train. Hopefully you're not taking pre-workout in the evening because that's probably going to affect your sleep patterns and stuff, especially when caffeine has a half-life of about six to eight hours, meaning that if you have a pre-workout at uh, 6 p.m., come midnight, you know, you have half the amount of caffeine still active in your bloodstream, you know, swimming around being like, oh, hey, 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 you probably won't be able to sleep at midnight. Um, What kind of quality sleep are you getting from that? Should you deload in general? Should you deload pre-workouts in general? Um, I think uh, it's probably wise to take some time off. Um, However, I would also say that you don't need to, um, you know, chronic use of, uh, of caffeine does support training and uh, increases bouts of training. Um, it can become problematic when you require more and more caffeine just to get through the day, uh, more stimulants, and you're relying on stimulants with an S, different types of stimulants. And, you know, it's a bit of a gateway to other types of stimulants we want to talk about, haha. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you start relying on stimulants, it can be problematic and it can mask a lot of poor lifestyle behaviors. So if you've got really poor sleep and you're masking that with caffeine, um, you're like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm fine. You know, I'll just take my pre-workout and I'll go train. Uh, you know, that might be masking a problem where if you improve your sleep and your sleep behaviors, that could be how you overcome a plateau. So you don't need to, uh, you know, go through a caffeine deload. However, it could be wise to, if you are strong enough to get through caffeine withdrawal. So it takes a certain type of human to get through that. Um, and, you know, you might see benefits from, you know, uh, coming off of caffeine, uh, unveiling some of those you know, band-aids or masks that you've been using caffeine for, um, fixing some of those problems and then reintroduce caffeine. You would require a smaller dosage. So instead of having a, a massive cup of coffee in the morning with the, the extra, extra, extra shot of uh, espresso, whatever your, your kryptonite is, you may not require that. You might only need a, a single shot uh, to get the same same results. Um, but Nick, I know you're an avid avid coffee drinker. Uh, have you ever tracked your caffeine intake? How, how much you're consuming? Uh, a reasonable amount. A reasonable amount, and I think especially during the end of a prep, you would yeah. lean on caffeine more. So a, there are some a strategies. Little bit, yeah. A little bit. There are some strategies where you will actually increase your caffeine intake as you get closer to a prep so that when you are in a fatigued state, you are relying a little bit more on stimulants to get you through the the final tail end of your competition prep and then you deload after the competition. So Mark, again, if you want to be as as competitive as you can on the M challenge, I would recommend deloading after the challenge if that's the plan. and in the meantime, you know, using something like a, a cup of coffee or if you do have that new tub of pre-workout, you know, using that until the end of the challenge. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's no time to change anything now that you're already doing. Wait till after. Wait till after. Mm-hmm. Nick, let's wrap it up there for episode number 83 of the Challenge Weekly Show. 83. That was a very good one, if I do say so myself. <laughs> oh, no, Nick, I didn't press record. Ah. Uh, don't no, I'm I kidding. I just I mean I love chatting to you, but I just couldn't do that again. <laughs> until next so, week. Until next week. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know and we'll catch you next week for episode number 84. Thanks for tuning in, guys. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Or leave us a review on iTunes to spread the good word. See you next time.